This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, except they're far better for you. Just one bar has between 130 and 180 calories, 19 grams of protein, and between 3 and 7 grams of sugar. And you can capitalize on this by using our code BIGSHOTS, all one word, for your next Built Bar purchase to get 10% off. Built Bar, join the team. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernishan, joined as always by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, Devin Jackson. And today we're joined by a very special guest. He's one of the go-tos in the draft Twitter community for the wide receiver position. It's Brad Kelly. Brad, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So yeah, a um, couple weeks ago, you, we were talking about this before we, we went live, we did kind of a tiering the quarterback position. Uh, this is one of the deepest wide receiver classes ever. So why not get one of the uh, the best in the business to kind of break down and see how we kind of differ on the wide receiver position? Yeah, I mean, uh, it is definitely one of the deeper classes. Um, and it has some top end talent. I don't know if it's quite the top end group of last year, but I think the depth at least matches it and probably outdoes you know, even the 2018, 2019 classes in terms of depth. For sure. For sure. Um, so let's get into that first tier now that, you know, it's a little, like you said, maybe a little weaker at the top than last year, but uh, for me, for my money, I have a, the, the top tier, the first tier of wide receivers being a three, three man race of Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith. Is there anyone else that you would add to that or Devin, anyone else that you would add to that? So I think there's a drop off after those three, the way I grade um, every prospect, but speaking specifically about wide receivers is a top 12 grade uh, and then a first rounder. And usually end up with like roughly 22 to 26 average of 24. So first round picks um, and then second rounder and third rounder. And the way I look at it is I think a first round pick is going to be a number one receiver for an NFL team. Um, I think a, a second round pick would be a number two receiver for an NFL team and so on. But a top 12 grade for me, which Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Smith all have uh, at currently, uh, is someone who I think can be a high-end number one wide receiver. So an above average, if there's you know 16 top receivers in the NFL, I think that they project into that, that level of play. Uh, so for me, there is a drop-off after them. Uh, the way I stack them in, uh, is Jalen Waddle at one, Jamar Chase, and then Devontae Smith. Uh, but I, like you said, I think they're in their own tier uh, and really I'm, I'm okay with however you want to order them by, by preference. Uh, but I think that they've separated themselves from everybody else. Yeah. Now, I, oh, sorry, Devin. I was going to say, I'm, yeah, I'm in agreement in, in terms of, uh, you know, the, those top three, I, I really don't think there's anyone uh, that should else that should be on that tier. You know, for me, I have a, uh, the same way as Brad uh, Waddle, uh, Chase, then Devontae Smith, uh, though all of them, you know, displayed, uh, you know, highly, you know, high traits and, and someone that uh, all of them are, are going to be uh, high end receivers. And, and I think picked uh, probably within the, the top 10, 12 picks of the NFL draft. Now, I do want to ask your opinion on this, Brad, because obviously you did play uh, wide receiver in college. Does Devontae Smith's size worry you for someone as, as an outside receiver? Not necessarily. Uh, so I like to, to stay in the camp that it's only a concern if it's a concern. Uh, so like I see him on film, I don't see his size, you know, being a negative on his college tape, whether that be handling contact, which I guess you could say he, he doesn't handle it great, um, especially along the boundary. But now it is Jamar Chase, to be honest, they both get ridden towards the sidelines. Sometimes Chase has the strength to do it. He just doesn't, 
he's not as developed. Uh, but really at the catch point, I don't see it being a debilitating factor for Devontae Smith at all, whether he's crowded, contested, the ball's getting played through his hands. I think he's pretty strong. So I think he'll add size too, to be honest. I know he just spent four years at the Alabama strength and conditioning program, but that doesn't mean he can't still put some pounds on if, if he needs it or if the NFL team that drafts him wants to gain some weight, wants him to gain some weight. Uh, so I, I don't see it as too big of a factor. That doesn't mean I'm going to stick him at the X and have him go full-time outside play and face press coverage 50% of the snaps. I'd rather move him around. I'd rather use him inside, put him in motion, stuff like that. But I don't see it as too big of a factor because it wasn't that big of an issue on his Alabama tape against SEC corners. Right. Um, now, kind of moving into that second tier. I mean, God, this is where it really starts to open up. You can say anywhere between like three and maybe like six or seven guys in that next year. So how would you break down that, that second tier, that next group of guys? So for me, it's Rashad Bateman with a first round grade. I think that he's going to be one of the guys drafted in the second half of the first round uh, between picks 17 and 32. I think there's a few teams in there that could really use him. Chicago uh, trying to replace Allen Robinson, the Ravens um, who need an outside threat, maybe even Washington who needs someone opposite of McLaurin kind of in that late teens, early twenties tier. I think there's a little bit of a drop off after Rashad Bateman. Um, and from that point on, it's all second rounders and, and lower for my grades, guys like Kadarius, Tony, Rondo Moore and Elijah Moore. And they're all relatively similar players as far as their future role is concerned. Uh, they're different than Rashad Bateman. And because they're all undersized, I have concerns about Rondo Moore's injuries and health and lack of snaps and lack of development over the last two years. I think they're more numbered project as more number two targets. Uh, and that's why they end up falling in that second round for me. Yeah, I have, I have no disagreements with that. I think, like you said, Bateman uh, is is that first round guy. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people uh, are kind of, uh, I will say for the most part, it seems like people uh, like what he brings to the table and like his game. And I, I definitely see him as a first round receiver. And, and I think, you know, a, a team like the Ravens, like you mentioned, or uh, a team really in that second half of the, uh, first round, uh, you know, teams that are uh, in the playoff hunt and, and need that that piece. I think he can bring that to the table. Um, so I, I definitely an, am in agreement with that. Um, and, you know, for like you said, uh, you know, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, uh, you know, some of those uh, smaller guys, Kadarius, Tony, I think they're all kind of in, in a similar elk in, in terms of they're going to probably they 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 could go first round, but there's a good chance they, they make it to the second round and, and maybe late second, early third, depending on how teams are valuing uh, them. But yeah, like you said, they're, they're not going to be uh, guys that command, uh, you know, first round, uh, not, not, not necessarily first round, but uh, command, you know, being wide receiver one for teams. So I definitely understand and, and get that. Cause I mean, with their height and size, you, you, ideally don't want your wide receiver one to be that small. So I definitely understand it and get that second one. Uh, but I'm curious to, to see uh, where you have Tylen Wallace stack. Cause I feel like he's like, kind of like he could make it into that second tier, but he probably is in the next tier. But uh, how do you feel and, and see uh, Tylen Wallace kind of stacking up with, with some of those uh, second tier guys? So Wallace for me is, is a third is in the third, um, along with a few other guys that I, that I obviously like if I'm, you know, giving out top 100 grades, like I'm on Ross St. Brown, um, Diami Brown from UNC. So all three of them, I believe are going to be boundary wide receivers in the NFL. And I think all three can kind of get busy down the field. 
Wallace in particular, if he had not gotten injured as a junior and was able to declare last year, well, he could have, but he decided not to because of the injury. I think he probably would have graded out a little bit higher. Uh, but this part, this coming back as a senior, so he's a year older, he has an injury history, and he was good this year, but I don't know if he was sophomore year Tyler Wallace good when he was a finalist for the Bolitnikoff uh, and probably the best vertical wide receiver in the country. Uh, now, he did take more slot reps at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, and I thought he looked really good uh, in that position. So that could be something that he does more of in the NFL, but it's a bit of, of projection because he's basically never done it at Oklahoma State. Uh, so that would be kind of where I think he could separate himself from uh, St. Brown or Diamond Brown, the other guys that have kind of that third round, because I think that his skill set might project a little bit better uh, into more roles. It's just something that I haven't seen. Uh, so I don't want to like, I don't want to bank on it going into the NFL. Uh, and, and then with uh, St. Brown and Diami Brown, uh, what do you see from them uh, that have them in that third tier uh, and kind of having that third round grade uh, that, that you have for them? Yeah, I really like Diami Brown's ability to get down the field. Um, I think he has really good speed. I don't know if he's quite a 4-3, but he'll be like low 4-4s at the worst. Um, I like him against press coverage. I think he ran, he ran a lot of routes this past year, and a lot of them were those vertical plane routes, and that's going to really stress the defense, um, stress safeties. And on top of that, though, I think that when you see him, his ability to also snap down and run a curl or a dig is really good. And the fact that he can – pair together that those vertical routes with those intermediate routes makes him a really good weapon because corners and safeties have to respect that deep speed and his ability to get down the field and his quarterback would give him opportunities down the field as well as Sam Howell but they have to respect that and then when you can when you can break off in those intermediate routes you're going to be able to move the chains as well so I think he's a boundary guy he doesn't have he doesn't have great size but he is over 200 I think he's like 205 pounds 208 pounds right now in training so he's also has a, a decent profile physically uh to survive out on the on the boundary in the NFL when it comes to St. Brown you love his strength right you love his ability in, in tight spaces when he's condensed I mean he had a game this year with I think he had four touchdowns and maybe three of them were in the red zone I think that ability to be to be tough um, you know, to win at the catch point, but also be a shifting mover. It comes from such an athletic family. Um, you really like that his, his developmental traits. Obviously, wish he had more tape this past year because USC only played in a handful of games. But you really like his ability to win and, and his strength and the, his, his condensed space and red zone profile. Do you think he uh, translate probably uh, a little bit better in the slot compared to someone like a Tylen Wallace uh, who hasn't really played it too much? Yeah, he's done it more for sure. Um, and his, him not being like a, uh, that tall of a wide receiver might, might take teams to project him there. Also his older brother is like six, three, two He plays more in the slot than anything, um, which is a little bit interesting. So he might be able to do that. I've seen some people compare his future usage to, to how the lions and the Seahawks used to use golden Tate and be able to mix him. Uh, and when there's a, a weaker boundary corner, you can put him on the edge, uh, but when you want to use his quickness, you can put him in the slot. So something like that, I think, could be the type of usage that he has. Uh, whereas, and I've seen it, unlike Tyler Wallace, which is a little bit of a projection. Yeah, definitely. I, I like what you're saying about uh, De'Ami Brown. Uh, I, 
had to look up his size. They've got him listed at 195. He looks like he's probably bulking up a little bit from yeah. what I've seen during the offseason. So he probably is around that, that, that 205 at 6'1. Kind of that perfect size for playing inside and outside. Uh, is there anyone else that you would group in kind of that, uh, you know, top 100 players at the wide receiver? Or is the next year we starting to go into uh, into day three guys? So really for me, it's it's tough to, to evaluate Nico Collins from Michigan. Say, yeah, I thought so too. So I, had, I'm interested. Yeah, he has all the size in the world. I mean, he's like 6'4", he's pushing 220. I think he has good reps on his film. When you watch the All-22, it's consistently like creating passing windows. He has a lot of reps that he won vertically, uh, but he just didn't play this past year. And I think he's someone who could have benefited from playing. And all of his tape is with Shea Patterson, a quarterback who definitely limited their passing offense a little bit, especially with some tough defensive backs. Um, in the Big Ten. So I thought he looked really good at the Senior Bowl. Um, and I think there's a few other guys that could be in the running for making in the top 100, uh, like Dwayne Eskridge or Cornell Powell, those type of guys, but they're like more fringe. Like I think the the players I mentioned, Brown, St. Brown um, and Wallace are like, I'm, I'm solid on taking them in the top of the third round, whereas the rest of them, including Nico Collins, it's kind of just I would take him in the late third, borderline top 100, but I think there's a lot of depth in the mid rounds that I, if I was an NFL team, I would probably avoid taking a receiver. I am not at all surprised that Dwayne Eskridge came up again. Uh, there's only been one guest that we've had on this entire draft cycle that hasn't mentioned him, and it was it was Mark. So everyone else seems to love him, but yeah, I have a feeling that because he is so raw at the position, he is small at like five foot eight, I think and 185, old. and yeah, 24 years old. That that's going to stick out, and I think. On talent alone, yeah, I think he's a top 100 lock. But when you factor in size concerns and and the age, it may cause him to slide in day three. And I don't think people should be that surprised by that. Um, moving along, what do you think about a guy like Demetric Felton, who played running back in college, but is definitely, as we saw in the Senior Bowl, making a full transition out to playing wide receiver? So I wrote recently a article that matches a wide receiver prospect with all 32 teams. So basically, like. The, the players who I believe are going to be the top 32 receiver prospects and put one to each team. And I gave him to the Panthers because I believe that Curtis Samuel likely priced himself out of Carolina. And I think that he makes a pretty realistic and natural replacement for Curtis Samuel, who had like 250 rushing yards last year, something like that, and over 800 receiving yards uh, to be kind of that. A lot of times we'll, we'll talk about like a gadget threat that doesn't really do much. Like Tavon Austin just goes in motion, but he's one that could legitimately be someone you hand the football off to 50 times a season and also catch 50 passes in the slot. Uh, so he's a definitely unique skill set. And I think if a team uses him properly, they'll get a lot out of him. I just don't want him to be wasted in like a Denard Robinson role like the Jaguars had him in. Another guy that I really like in his receiver class is uh, Austin Watkins, uh, UAB. Uh, what did you see from him watching his film, if you've taken a chance to watch it, and uh, where do you see him kind of projecting in the NFL? Yeah, so Sammy Watkins' younger cousin. Um, there was definitely a standout among the group of five wide receivers this year. Uh, has a has an NFL profile as far as his size uh, and his athleticism goes. More of a boundary threat and a lot of, another player who I believe can win and has a really good catch radius can win above the rim and, and through contact. He was up and down in Mobile, uh, in my opinion. There were some good, some bad, but he showed that he's a three-level route runner, in my opinion, and is more of a – I think he's more of a day three guy, but I do 
think that he's kind of that rare group of five receiver who kind of has a little bit of everything in that NFL profile uh, with his size and his athleticism. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was Devin that kind of got my attention with Austin Watkins before the season kicked off. And I still haven't quite gotten around to, uh, to get into him because there's just been so many receivers at this class. Um, one thing, there are a lot of these guys that are just like pure speed, not a lot of refinement in, you know, uh, in their game, kind of used poorly you know, uh, in their system. So guys like Anthony Schwartz, Tutu yeah. Atwell, where do you kind of grade those guys? Because I'm low on both. I'm really low on Atwell, so especially because of his size concerns as well. So I'm interested to see where you would be at. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw in uh, Marcus Stevenson from Houston in the back room. Him well. too. Um Anthony Schwartz is really interesting because in the few times that he – there was a game against Texas A&M in 2019 where they gave him the ball and, like, essentially end around, and he got into space, and it was like – he was a blur. I mean, he, he, like, split – he split two tacklers, was able to get behind a block, get up the sideline, and it was like this guy moves at a different speed than everybody else, even Tutu Atwell and Marcus Stevenson. Uh, but those were so few and far between, and he wasn't really that dynamic of a vertical threat but I think there's something there with him um, if he's in an offense that wants to utilize his skill set. I gave him to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, mostly because I just think like if you're dedicating your fastest defensive backs to covering Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman, like who is left to cover Anthony Schwartz? You know, like if he's on a team like yeah, yeah, if he's on a team like that, I think he could really end up being a productive guy. Atwell and Stevenson are more of a horizontal stretch players where you can send them in motion and get them the ball. And that can really stress defenses sideline to sideline. I think Stevenson is a little bit better after the catch. Um, as far as his acceleration goes, he can beat angles, but he also has a little bit of contact balance, a lot better than Tutu Atwell. So I think they're, I think all three of them, I wouldn't take in the top 100, they're more of day three players. Uh, but I think there's a little bit something there with Schwartz if you use him correctly. And then I think Stevenson and his contact balance puts him above that well, or at least very close. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, someone else that I feel like, uh, you know, there is another uh, group of five receiver that has caught my eye. And, and Mike, you know where I'm going with this, but uh, Jalen Dar Darden out of North Texas. Uh, what do you see out of him? I know I, I've it. heard varying opinions on on what they see from him and what kind of his projection would be. So he's explosive as all hell um, with the ball in his hands and in, in his route running, but he is definitely undersized. I would like to see where he comes in weight wise um, because I think he was only listed at like 171 pounds. And I think there's definitely, he's not quite on the Devonte Smith level where he's undersized, but I saw him win while he's contested. I saw him take a bunch of reps on the boundary with success. I would rather see Darden if he's able to put, to put size on and retain his explosiveness. That's another player. That's a, one of the prospects where I wish we had the combine for, uh, but as far as with him with the ball in his hands and, 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 and his route running and being able to get down the field from the slot, I really like his projection. Now he's another guy. Uh, I think that it's kind of tough to evaluate and it's not so much like the Nico Collins where he didn't play. It's just the level of competition was a little bit tough uh, to really be able to project. And then he didn't get, I don't, I think he played in the the hula bowl or something like that, Aloha bowl, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. One of those like like second or third tier. Yeah, and games. I didn't yeah. I didn't get to watch that or the practices where if he was at this, if he was at Mobile, it would have been a little bit easier to to evaluate him. So he's interesting. I'm gonna gonna have to revisit his film. I think to try to get a really good read on on where he falls. 
Now, uh, I've got two more guys, or sorry, well, one more guy I want to talk about and then another question for you after Devin. But sure. next guy I want to focus on, uh, I, I had a great 2019 season, really fell off a little bit this year just due to injuries at quarterback, a change in system, all of that. Uh, Watt Fillier from Indiana. Um, I know some people have him as like a deep sleeper. Some people have him as like undrafted another you know day three but massive variant type guys so where do you see his best fit at the next level well my favorite part about him is he's named after whoppers from Burger yes King. <laughs> i <laughs> love he... that and, and his first name is mr which makes it even yeah. better he loved him so much as a kid he's i believe his mom just started to call him wop uh he's a slot guy in the nfl i think he's really good on on horizontal breaks um if you're able to get to the first down marker break and maintain separation, you're going to have a role in the NFL. Kind of reminds me of James Crochet from SMU last year in that sense where he could be a steady hands, third down, chain mover, let's keep the offense on schedule type of guy. Now, a couple of years ago, I really liked Jacoby Myers in that role, and he had a little bit more size, and he's kind of become more of like a number two, number three, really steady presence. So that's the type of like of skill set and role that I, I can envision him in. Um, I'm just not sure if that's going to be valued at any point, uh, like until you're you're talking like fifth to sixth round, uh, in my opinion. And uh, there's a few more guys that I, I've kind of taken a note for in terms of day three guys. Uh, one that has intrigued me, and uh, you know Tennessee kind of has, has a reputation of making. Uh, having better pros than they do college players. So what do you think about Josh Palmer and what he brings to the table? I loved Josh Palmer's film and I loved him at the senior bowl. To be honest with you, he might've been the number one receiver there in terms of the one-on-one drills specifically. Um, he's a boundary receiver, a true and true X, X wide out in my opinion. He's only about six one, but he's, he's stocky. He's built really well. I think it's good length in his arms. And he's a three-level route runner. I mean, he he got down the field quickly uh, in Mobile. He was able to separate vertically, whether it was on a go or a post. I think he showed his ability that was probably a little bit underrated at Tennessee to be shifty in tight spaces. And he can win inside on a slant route, or he can sell a double move. Um, steady hands as well. And I think playing in the SEC, now his production wasn't, wasn't great. I think he had around like 400 yards for the last three seasons. But I thought that as far, when you watch him, he's getting open against these SEC corners consistently in their biggest games when they face Florida, when they face Georgia, when they face Alabama. So I really like his projection into the NFL because coming from Tennessee and into a complimentary role in, in the league, because he's kind of been in that and at Tennessee, not so much because they, they had other great receivers, but because the quarterback couldn't really get on the ball. Uh, so like if he's the number two or three or four target on a team, I think that's a pretty good and safe landing spot for him. Yeah, uh, love love anyone that's that's hyping up Josh Palmer because he's from about twenty minutes from where I am, so you know, oh, nice. right here outside of Toronto. Um, so yeah, definitely. Oh, he's I Canadian. Yeah, he that. is. Yeah, he's from Brampton. Um, but yeah, watching when I've watched a bit of Tennessee, I just watched it like, man, if he had any sort of competent quarterback play, it would right. be it'd be something special. But unfortunately, not. I do think that he's gonna kind of surprise people as a rookie um now we, we've talked about a whole boatload of different wide receivers and i just kind of you know plain and simple so 
is there one that's uh you know we, we're definitely in that day three range that you consider like your favorite or like your super sleeper and then is there one player just in the class as a whole where you just kind of don't understand the hype yeah there's a few guys i really like that I, that we haven't mentioned yet k johnson from south dakota State. haven't gotten um, to him yet so i'm looking forward to it yeah he he is just a pure separator he's, he's small uh but he had crazy production in the fcs um i believe he was a two-time fcs all-american he was without a season this past year uh and because the fcs didn't play and he um is going to enter as a redshirt senior however i think that his his projection to the nfl is is a high floor type of a prospect and that's kind of rare coming from the fcs but when you watch him he gets open left and right and you saw him at the senior bowl getting open left and right inside out i mean he had one catch down the sideline with one hand. He is like safe and steady hands and he gets open. I think there's going to be a spot for him in the NFL just based on that. Not completely different than what Hunter Renfro was coming out of Clemson. You just knew he was going to get open and catch the pass. Uh, and then also Shai Smith from Stanford. Um, another guy who's probably a pure slot, but it has a little bit more of explosiveness. If I'm comparing like Wap, Wap, uh, Wap from Indiana to, I still don't know how to say his last name, but to Shai Smith from South Carolina, I think the, the difference between them is that I think Shai is a little bit better explosiveness, a little bit more juice uh, out of his route breaks. And that's like kind of the difference between him, those two. And for that reason, I have Smith on early on day three. And he's also a player who's going to compete. I mean, you look at him going up, to catch a pass going over the middle taking hits and he's trying to fight everybody in the field it almost looks like during games and i really like that level of competitiveness, competitiveness. yeah that auburn game it was the auburn game where he like destroyed them and then was just all over social media like i, I know your yeah. former co-worker trevor sikama put him as like captain of the all chirp team after that one yes <laughs> he is uh he is definitely an intense football player and that effort shows up too in like other aspects of the game when you look at his blocking and you know, trying to get after a teammate catches the pass, he's trying to sprint to get it in front of him. Just basically, so it's like you hit someone and then talk trash to him. So I really, really like that that aspect of his game. Yeah, and then is there someone where, like, you know, whether it be day one, day two, day three, you just kind of don't understand the hype that's surrounded them? Yeah, I think Sage Surratt from Wake Forest um, looked pretty good in 2019 with Jamie Newman. He opted out of the seat this past season and I think he's a good athlete but I just don't know if he understands how to separate and he's almost looks a little bit like a plotter on the outside and against quicker corners and he's just like he's just a guy who's gonna not he's not gonna separate he's always gonna play with the guy in his hip and that is okay for for some receivers who are special in that scenario like Des Bryant and Anquan Bolden and those guys but there's been so many over the years who we're kind of in that profile who didn't pan out in the NFL, like Laquan Treadwell and Josh Doxon and Nikhil Harry. And just, I just don't think that Surratt is going to be that special level of player who, who is like, is consistently going to produce with that lack of separation. He's also a guy who was one of the best basketball players in the history of North Carolina high school basketball. And like, I really want, and he was supposed to go to an Ivy league school. I really want to like him. I just like struggle with his projection into the NFL. It's an interesting case with uh, with uh, the Wake Forest guys because it it affected both of them. Jamie Newman obviously transferred to Georgia and then didn't play, and then Surratt. We've seen him his name go from like kind of borderline first round to honestly just being talked about as like a day three guy. It's it's, it's an interesting you know uh, case. 
It's kind of odd. Never seen something like that before. And Jamie Newman was willing to throw him and Scotty Washington jump balls where in the NFL, that is not necessarily always going to be the case of say Mac Jones is the quarterback for state. Surah. He's never getting the ball thrown to him. No. So it's a really, it's a really specific role that he has to fill for in, in the league and for a specific team and for a specific quarterback. And that's part of the reason why those guys just really, it, it struggles for them to work out. Uh, Devin, do you have anything else uh, Brad, before we get on out of here? No, nah, nah. Just appreciate you having you on Brad. Uh, definitely uh, a really good episode in terms of uh, talking about receiver class and, and kind of going over the, um, you know, the, the tiers you have for them and, and kind of where you see them fitting in NFL. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So until next time, guys, that's going to do it for today. As always, you can find me on Twitter, Mike H underscore draft. You can follow Devin on Twitter at real D underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at big shots pod, Brad, they can find you at Brad Kelly 17, right? That's and correct. Then, uh, you have a new website, right? I do. Yeah. So started a Patreon. Um, kind of going to transition into, I've been doing some video content and breakdowns, all 22 stuff on YouTube. Um, and it's been going pretty well. I think I'm going to transition more into the subscription service, but it's going to be, you know, really high quality, high end content that I believe people who watch it will learn from not only about the prospects and get an idea for their skill set, uh, but also about scheme and, and how to break down, uh, stuff like that. And there's three videos up, up already. Jamar Chase strength and weaknesses, prospect breakdown, uh, a breakdown of X's and O's from the Super Bowl. Um, and Davis Mills, the quarterback from Stanford, um, hit a uh, uh, look at his skill set and really his game against UCLA and the ups and downs of it and what makes him a project at the position, but also someone who's pretty enticing as far as his traits. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait to uh, to check that out. Funny you mentioned Davis Mills. I actually just wrapped up his eval yesterday, so perfect timing on that one, I guess, for me. But until next time, guys, as always, uh, you know, take care, like, uh, like, leave us a review, all of that stuff. Go give uh, Brad a follow on Twitter. He's fantastic. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on, Brad.